0: Hi, and welcome to today's session of The Library is Open. Uh, my name is Jessica Zero and I'm one of your um, announcers. We also have Nate Kurula, who is another um, announcer here. And today's guest, we have Kyle Hall. Kyle, welcome. Hello. Kyle is the lead developer, and otherwise known as Lord of the Code for Bywater Solutions. Thanks for joining us today, Kyle.
1: Glad to be here.
0: Uh, so Kyle, um, tell us a little bit about, uh, about yourself.
1: So I have been working on open source software my entire professional life. I actually uh, came into open source by accident um, when I started college uh, with a degree in computer science. I applied for some summer work study at my uh, library system, at the Meadville Public Library. And I was supposed to work in the children's room. I'm pretty sure I would have been eaten alive in like two days. <laughs> so I got very lucky that the sysadmin, Cindy Murdoch, saw my resume and just thought like, that I could write bash shell scripts and knew I was legit and stole me from them right away. Cool. So that's where, that's where I was first introduced to open source software. Um, I hadn't heard about it in, um, in my computer science classes at all but they had been using it for a while this was back in the days when dsl was a new thing and so they had um been waiting for this proprietary software for um modem line sharing over lan to to um, be released and then it just it never happened it became vaporware so Uh, Another friend of the library, Ben Bullock, he got them into it because he'd been using open source software for weather stations. Uh, He was a professor at Edinburgh University um, in Edinburgh, Pennsylvania. So they started building these open source routers to share the dial-up connections for each of the libraries that didn't have DSL yet. And that's Mm -hmm. how they got into it. And then they started using OpenBSD and FreeBSD for server hosting and for firewalls and whatnot, and so that was my introduction into it. Um, back then, uh, this was actually before Koha was really. Um, I believe Koha existed at the time, but we're talking like the year two thousand. And Koha was released in nineteen ninety nine, yeah. and it wasn't. It didn't have Mark support or anything, and there were actually a number of open source ILSs that were supposedly on the horizon. Um, And so, it was a lot of waiting and watching. Um, Meanwhile, uh, I was doing various uh, summer work for them and winter work. And eventually, we made the leap to Koha. And so, I became a full-time developer and IT guy for the Crawford County Federated Library System and my first job was to migrate from Winnebago, a DOS-based ILS, to Koha. And my scripts are out there still. They're not, they wouldn't be very useful today, but (laughs) they are still available, all open source, all the time.
0: Awesome, Kyle.
1: So yeah, so I spent about a decade working full-time for the Crawford County Library System, uh, and then I moved on and became a full-time developer for Bywater Solutions. Uh, and I've been working on open source ever since.
0: So the 1705 release just came out and you were a release manager. Um, tell us a little bit about that. What, what are some of the big highlights that um, were pushed through in this release?
1: So the biggest two for me are, of course, the ones that I wrote, because uh, <laughs> I don't have an ego or anything like that. Um, <laughs> <I know. but laughs> just kidding. But um, so the two big ones for me are like I like to see uh, some kind of flagship feature in each release, uh, and we have two decent ones in this one. The first one is the um, ability to place article requests in Koha, and for those who are not familiar, it's very similar to um, like placing holds. Like a patron can go on and place an article request in a very similar way that they place a hold, except what they're asking for is not the physical book. They don't want to take possession of it. They just want a photocopy or a digital copy of a portion of that book. So with this system... Uh, patrons can go in and they can place requests and then the librarians will see a queue of those and they can go get the book, make the copies, put it in a Dropbox, and then then say the request is filled. And at each step of that process, the uh, patron will get an email letting them know what's going on. So I'm very happy with it. I think it came out very well. Um, The other big one is... Where are you... Uh, oh, the patron clubs feature. Now this is something that I have been working on for years. Uh, it's actually gone through a full rewrite. Um, and so I'm really, really happy with the way it works. It's pretty spiffy just to interact with because it's all ajax and you no know, page reloads and things like that. And the the basic idea is it doesn't do anything, it just tracks things. And the idea is that you can create a uh, like a template for a club, let's say a summer reading club. You might even have two templates, one for an adult summer reading club, and one for a children's summer reading club. And the key to that template is you can create different types of fields. So there are fields that get assigned values when you create a new club based on that template, uh-huh. and then there are fields that get values when someone enrolls. So you might have uh, Adult Summer Reading Club and one of the club template fields, or one of the club fields is year. So uh, the 2016 Summer Reading Club, the 2017 Summer Reading Club. And then when someone enrolls, you might ask their age, or in the case of children, their grade and things like that. And so that lets you have a fixed set of data across multiple clubs so that you can do all kinds of fun reporting and know that that data is going to be there for you. Nice. Um, really proud of it, and I think it's come out really well. And I think we're going to see more features built on top of that as time goes by. Yeah. That sounds great. Kyle, can you speak a little bit through exactly what kind of roles and duties encompass being a release manager, for those who don't know? Okay, um, well, I'd say the biggest thing is the roles and duties of a release manager are in a lot of ways defined by the release manager themselves. Uh, some release managers are more... Uh, I don't want to say controlling, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, some some people are more opinionated. I, I was a very laissez-faire release manager. I didn't uh, want to get into in the way of developers. Uh, so... I, I let the I I put my faith in the community and its processes. And if something passed QA, even if I didn't maybe had some reservations about it, if there wasn't anything that said this is going to break something, then I went ahead and pushed it in. Uh, past release managers have been far more highly opinionated, um, and it's just it's about the person and their personality. Uh, The person themselves bring a lot to uh, the release manager role. Um, But like I said, I I prefer to take a step back and let the community do its thing and try to stay out of the way and just try to help and keep the ball rolling.
0: Nice. All right, Kyle, now that you have um, passed on as release manager, what's next on the horizon?
1: Well, uh, I think probably um, I'm going to try to attack some of the biggest bottlenecks in the community uh, right now. That is really um, doing quality assurance. Uh, we have a big, we have a QA team, but we everyone seems to be very hard pressed to get things past QA. I think no matter how many QA team members we get, the amount of people submitting patches like. Rises to fill and make it so that we can't get everything done So mm-hmm. I think I'm definitely going to be heavily focused on QA of course I'm going to be writing my own bug patches and feature patches as well um, And everything like that, but um really Jonathan has some Good and interesting plans and I hope that I can do everything I can to make him a successful release manager, too
0: Awesome, what about um some developments that you have on the horizon
1: um developments on the horizon here let me let me take a look and see what uh what interesting things we have here um i, I can't tell you when anything is going to be in Kohab because we never know that but um let's start with my own baby the accounts rewrite uh which i am on my second version of which yeah. is why the accounts rewrite rewrite <laughs> um, uh, and we I've already accomplished a lot of under the hood stuff the things that no librarian will ever see or notice um, when it comes to Koha's account system and for anyone who doesn't know I'm specifically talking about patron fees and fines and payments and things when I talk about accounts so Excellent. so we have a lot of under the hood changes so far um, but I'm i am in the process of bringing back some old features and bringing in some new ones, probably the most important thing is the ability to actually um, track in a very literal database sense what fees paid were paid by what payments and vice versa uh, so that we can do much more advanced reporting and know that this payment of $10 paid these three fines off and things like that. Things that we can only infer right now based on timestamps and amounts and things like that, we want to make that really formal and have a, a good, locked-in database structure for that. Uh, another thing that will come along with that um, is a, a real void payment system. Uh, something uh, Right now, we have a, a fine reversing feature, which I wrote almost... Oh, it was so many years ago. Uh, but it's, a, it's not... Is good as a real void payment feature so that's something I want and we also would like to be able to like click on a fine and see all the payments that have affected that fine and click on a payment and see all the fines that that paid right from the right from the web administration so that you don't have to like resort to reports just to get some basic data on that Another thing that we would like to see is we have been um, planning uh, a rewrite of the circulation rule system. Not a radical change. The circulation rules will stay there, but the underlying structure will change. And um, the idea is to make them easier to work, easier to edit. If every one of your circulation rules has the same uh, issue length, then you should be able to define it one time. You shouldn't have to do it for every single rule. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we are looking at. So I'm really excited by that. And I really hope we hit the ground running with that. Awesome. Um, I think that's that's probably good. I could talk all day about this stuff.
0: Yeah. Who can't we get excited about this kind of stuff? All right. Well, Kyle, thanks for calling in today and uh, joining us for the Library is Open podcast.
1: Oh, I'm um, Very glad that you invited me. Thank you very much.
0: Um, We look forward to talking to you next time, and thanks, everyone, for listening to The Library is Open. My name is Jessica Zaro. Uh, We have Nate Carulla and Kyle Hall with us this week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Uh